0: Welcome back to Activity Quest, the podcast that's packed with stuff to do and Merry Christmas. Now, this week's episode comes out on Christmas Day and we've got a bit of a special one for you. I'm sitting down with the cast of a very special London stage show and we're learning the art of storytelling too. So I'm joined right now by a rather master storyteller. We have got Daniel Miller. Hello. Hello. Nice to be here. Now,
1: tell me, what is the role of a storyteller? What do you do? Do you know, I get paid to chat. Amazing. (laughs) A bit like you. Me too, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great, isn't it? When I was a kid... I was always sent out for talking too much. You're one of those. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And now, um, so a storyteller can be all sorts of things, can't it? You can be in marketing and be a storyteller. You're a storyteller. Um, a storyteller that, like me, would be to create stories in a theatrical way mm-hmm. and go on stage um, in arts venues, in schools, in libraries, but also um, to take stories that are written, and then turn them into oral stories. Mm -hmm. So stories without um, a written um, page in front of you. And then you get folk storytellers. Yeah, we're all storytellers. I like the idea that we can all tell a story, we can all spin a yarn, but I don't think we realise it. I think that's exactly right. And I think that actually um, it's part of what makes us human, that, that when... When we're walking to school or work, we chat to each other and we tell each other stories about the day. Yeah. Or or we say what we're about to do or we remember something that we've heard or we sing songs. They're stories, aren't they?
0: Yeah, I've got to say, I do love a story that's in a song. That's one of my favourite ways of, like, when you listen to a song, the lyrics turn out to be an amazing story. You're like, oh, my goodness, this is
1: like a a little adventure. It's amazing, isn't it? And then also comics and graphic novels or computer games. You know, you go on on an adventure when you go into a film... Um, or on the radio. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know on the radio, so,
0: you know, sometimes I'll be talking for just a minute. But in that minute, I'm telling a story about what I've done with my day or um, about something I've heard recently. So it's, it's possible to be a storyteller and not notice it. Definitely. i we,
1: Yeah, we are all storytellers. I think it's only when we have to formalise it that it can go, oh, I don't know what to say or I don't know what to do. And then there are tips and tricks and games that you can play to help you. To create those stories, so we're, we're innately storytellers, and then we can learn skills. And then then we become masters. All right. I like this.
0: We're going to find out some more tips and tricks later, because I know that like at school, everybody does creative writing classes. And some some people find it easy. Some people find it quite difficult. So maybe you can give us some tips later on to kind of get get us thinking about it. But why do you think storytelling is important? Is it just passing on information? Is it entertainment?
1: Is it just interesting? Is it a way of connecting with people? It's all of the above. So I always say it makes you weller. (laughs) <laughs> that's a terrible word, isn't it? Because it isn't a real word, word but it's L apostrophe I've never made it up. OK, I like it, okay, yeah, yeah. I like made-up words. So W is about well-being. Mm-hmm. So it, it makes us feel happy, stories entertain us, stories fill us. Like like food fills our belly, stories fill our hearts and our souls and and then you've got the E, which is esteem, self-esteem, and and um, feeling good about yourself. When you can when you can present something to somebody else, and and they say, "Well done, I love that." It's a it's a lovely thing. Some people love to be um, make make other people laugh, don't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. And then the L is literacy and learning. Sure, brilliant um, to help oral stories underpin all learning, and then. Also, you've got the R, which is about um, relationships with other people. So you can play storytelling games with your friends and your family, and it and it helps you to bond with each other and have a good time.
0: Now, you see, I think of storytelling as one person sat down and uh, with people around them and you reading from a book. But I think there's a bit more to your storytelling, right? I get the impression you put on a bit of a show
1: with your stories. <laughs> well, you've got to tell a story in a certain way, don't you? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I... I love stories without books. So I love books, Mm -hmm. um, but I'm dyslexic and I found reading really difficult as a child. And before books, before the printed word, before, you know, William Caxton, (laughs) who was master of the printed word, we passed stories to each other. We told each other stories to make each other feel well, Mm -hmm. to understand each other, to understand the world better. Um, So... Oral stories, stories without the book, is my passion.
0: And this is where, I mean, you. Um, our listeners might have seen you before, because you've performed uh, some Michael Morpogo work
1: as well, right? I have. I've done two um, Sir Michael Morpurgo books, mm-hmm. Why the Whales Came, which went on a uh, national tour and international tour. Wow. And then also, I Believe in Unicorns, which has been in the West End three times, and then out on national tour. So we've just... We've gone on tour recently from Northumberland to Portsmouth. Wow. From uh, Stroud to Berry St Edmunds. So that's a big old tour. Yeah, and everywhere in between. So what I thought, let's see if it works. In I Believe in Unicorns, there's a bit in it where I ask all the audience for a name, an object and a place. Right. And then I make up a very silly story in... I don't know I have three minutes and somebody times me right it's bonkers right let's do it then shall we try yeah yeah I'm gonna get my timer at the ready Um, so I did ask on my way in and Meg gave me a name Molly
0: yes uh, so lovely producer Meg gave you the name Molly that's a good name excellent and then I will need a a place a place can I be specific about this oh please can I go really specific go on then I'm gonna go for the Sydney Opera House ooh in the bottom of the ocean
1: That's fantastic. I'm going to do that. You're a storyteller. Okay, the Sydney Opera House at the bottom of the ocean. Yes. And then we need an object. Okay, we're going to go for a can of baked beans. Oh, nice. You know this story already. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. And then, um, just because I don't like to make things easy for sure. myself. Because the beans in the Sydney Opera House of the uh, ocean wasn't easy enough or hard enough. Quite. <laughs> um if you want to, and there's no pressure, you don't have to, but if you want to throw in an extra word, what we would do is I would call this the disruptor. Okay. And you throw in a word that disrupts the story. Oh that's Shall we try? T- it's tempting. It's oh, very goodness. tempting. Okay,
0: and just, just just whenever I feel like, you know, I could Yeah. S- Throw in a word or two. Okay. Yes. Um, so how long have I got? Should we do? Should we do three minutes? Three we, minutes. Is that okay. Can, you, can we handle this? Um, yeah. I'm very excited about this story.
1: <laughs> Don't be. Right. <laughs> okay.
0: okay. Right.
1: I've got my big timer here Perfect. on my iPad. Perfect. Um, so I'll hold it. And will you give me? Uh, you'll tell me when I've got thirty seconds left. Okay. And then when I've got nothing left, we'll just both say the end. Oh, OK, cool. Shall we? Yeah, yeah, start? sure. All right, so let me remember. Molly. Yes. The Sydney... the, Roy, the, the Sydney Opera op, House. At the bottom of the ocean. Yep. Yeah. And a tin of baked beans. Yes, please. Oh, my goodness. All right, let's what, try. What a delicious story it's going to be. Yes. Um, marks, get, get set. set. Go! It was a really, really bright, sunny day. And Molly was walking down the street... And she looked in a shop window. And in the shop window, she saw pictures of beaches. Now, she was in... Where was she? Tell me where she was, Bex. She was in Australia. Oh, OK. She was already in Australia. And she looked in the window and she saw lots and lots of pictures of beaches. And she saw on one of the pictures, there was a little gold necklace. And she thought... I bet nobody else has seen that. I am going to go to that beach and I know exactly where it is and I'm going to go and try and find that gold necklace. Zebra. And as she was walking across the zebra crossing to get to the beach, she <laughs> she went down the steps and she could see all sorts of things glinting because, of course, the sun was shining down on the sand and it all looked rather beautiful and she thought, how am I going to do this? Sword. And... There, across uh, in the water, she saw a fisherman and she knew he was going swordfish. (laughs) <laughs> Fishing. <laughs> and, and she thought, right, I'm going to get in the boat with him and I'm going to see if he has some sort of metal detector. Because she knew him from a long time ago. He was called Fred. And Fred was a really good guy and, and she thought he might be able to help. So she waved him down and said, Fred, Fred, come over here. Will you help me? And he said, oh, uh, oh no, Australian. Uh, can he be Yorkshire? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> He's a Yorkshireman <laughs> who, um, who'd gone over to Australia to live. Oh, yeah, jump in my boat. Come on, off you go and and let's go. Teddy bear. Have you got a metal detector? And he said, oh, I don't know if I have. I don't know. Well, maybe Stan, my son has, um, because he keeps it next to his teddy bear in the bedroom. Um, But where I'm going is to somewhere really, really exciting because I have heard that the Sydney house has dropped right down to the bottom of the ocean. And I'm going to go and try and find it. And and she said, well, we'll need a metal detector then if we're going to go down there. Yeah, let's do that, he said. (gasps) But we've only got 30 seconds left. So they ran and got the metal detector and they went as fast as they possibly could and they got it and they went down, 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 scubaing down and they got close to the Sydney Opera House, right at the bottom of the ocean and they used this metal detector and clink, something got stuck on it and they went, wow, look at that. They thought it might be, the Sydney house but actually it wasn't it was a rusty can of baked beans and she said oh no I haven't got my gold jewellery but I have got this treasure and I would never have been able to get that without you thanks Fred the The end end. oh my goodness
0: I was overjoyed when you did the zebra crossing. I think you saw my
1: face. I was thrilled. I was absolutely thrilled. I didn't see that coming at all. That was amazing. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Can I now set a task? Yeah. Yeah. Can I? For you. Okay. And for all your listeners. Yeah. If I give you a name, a place, and an object, mm-hmm. can you make up your own story? <laughs> right now? Do you want to? <laughs> I don't know whether I'll be able to. Should we try? <laughs>
0: You know what? We might as well, while well, we're here. Yeah, Sh- shall we? Yeah, yeah, okay. We'll stop that. We'll stop the... Rec- that uh, There, the reset. Now, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this. But, okay.
1: But well, let's see. Give it a try. Yes. Okay. And, and And all your listeners at home could try too. Yeah, let's okay. give it a go, okay. All right, then. So, we're going to go... Nicole. Nicole, okay. We're going to say... A Marshmallow Castle. OK. And we're going to have Glass. OK. Do you want t- me to set it going? <laughs> t- trying to think of what on earth to do. Yeah. Well, I tell you, this is a little tip. OK. Remember that you don't have to make up the story. You just have to listen for the story to come through you. OK. All right. So don't think about how it'll end. Yeah. Just allow the words to start. So get your first picture... It doesn't matter where it is. Yeah. Just the first thing that comes to your head and then let it happen. And I tell you what, we can do if you like is if you get stuck, look across at me, I'll pick it up and then I'll give it back to you. Oh, that might have to happen. Okay, okay. Yeah. But, <clears throat> right. but just trust the story. Don't get into your head. Okay. Just drop. Yeah. And go, you know what? Just speak. Okay. Yes. Let's, okay, let's see what happens. Let's try. Okay. On your marks. And I
0: love that I don't have to start with once upon a time because you don't, you don't have to start like this.
1: No. Okay. No, so. you can start anywhere.
0: Marshmallow Castle, Nicole, glass. Perfect. Any any type of glass, sweet? Oh, that's
1: up to you. Okay. Yes. Okay. Don't think too much. Okay. Just let it happen. <laughs> yeah. Because right. I didn't know when the baked beans were going to come in. No. No. Very good. Okay. On your marks. Okay. Get set. Go.
0: Nicole loved to eat as many sweets as possible, and she was in the middle of a chocolate factory, which is great for Nicole, but... She preferred sweets. She didn't want chocolate. She mm. wanted sweets. So she decided to find the nearest campfire because campfires, famously, are populated with, with marshmallows, right? Oh. You've got marshmallows for roasting and toasting. Martin. And they- and Nicole thought, well, what will, I, what will I do? How can I get these marshmallows and bring them back into my house? And she, she happened to meet the guy running the marshmallow stand. And uh, he was called Martin, which was very handy indeed. <laughs> so Martin said, hey, hey, Nicole, I've, I've heard that you love sweet, you love marshmallows. What do you want? And she said, I'd like as many marshmallows as I can possibly handle, more than I can fit in my mouth, more than you can even imagine. And Switch. he said... I think I've got some out back, actually. Uh, but to get into the back, you do have to press this switch. And it a big red button. So she pressed it, and it turned, it opened the window, opened the doors, and suddenly marshmallows fell through the windows, through the doors. She was covered in marshmallows. She didn't know what to do with these marshmallows, but she did think, I'm probably going to have to eat all of them. Zip. The, pro- the problem was, of course, that she didn't know how to get them back to where she wanted them to be in her house. So she opened her pocket. She unzipped all of her coat pockets. Um, like me, she was wearing dungarees with zips on. So she got them open. She put some marshmallows in there and she decided to take as many as she possibly could back home with her. And when she got home, she thought, "How? what do I do now? I've got bags and bags and bags of marshmallows. This is This is going to be a problem here. How do I cope with all of these marshmallows in my life? And she thought, I'm going to make them into the finest object known to man. Spoon something that everybody will love to see something that people will come from miles around and she wanted basically to get these marshmallows together she had to stick them together yeah so she hollowed out one of them with a spoon and she got the goo from inside the marshmallow to use as like cement to stick all of the marshmallows together to make like brickwork. and eventually she built a very high taller i'd say than a giraffe marshmallow castle The only problem was she needed to live in it and she needed to make sure she was very safe in the castle. And nobody could come knocking on their door, kick the door down with their heavy boots and get in there immediately. So she said, you know what? I need some sturdy windows in this building. And that is when she discovered a glazier, also called Martin, weirdly, who could fit marshmallow castles with perfect glass spun out of sugar cane and it would create a delicious... And edible. 30 seconds left. <laughs> edible. Glass effect. But it was made from delicious sugar cane. And so she sat in her marshmallow castle looking out of her window. It was amazing. She, Yorkshire. Could, she could see <laughs> she could see amazing views of Yorkshire all through her windows, made of sugar. And she sat in the marshmallow castle and Nicole was delighted with her life.
1: <laughs> yes!
0: The end. end.
1: Oh, the pressure! How was it then? My first that was fun! You did a brilliant job! <laughs> didn't you? you just got to stop thinking about it and just let it happen.
0: You're right, yeah yeah. sometimes it just kind of kicks in you're just going to go with it. Yeah. Um, And don't you think it helps when somebody throws a word in? It does, yeah, because if you're just getting a bit stuck in the story, it gives you like a little prompt and you can just change it or like adapt it or make it a bit more interesting. Um, That was great fun, yeah. I think that's going to be a fun party game to play over Christmas and New Year as well. If you're at home with your family,
1: just get that game, just three minutes per person and just like chuck them some words and see what happens. And if you ask one person for an object one first well but you know person object place yeah pop you can remember pop um and you just ask one person each and and then if you want to add in the disruptor they just throw in other words but they can only throw in a word at a time and they can't throw in another word until you've added that word into your story until you've used it yeah i like it's like you know everyone plays board
0: games at christmas and everyone plays games around the table but this is quite a good old fun way to get involved as well isn't it yeah well I'm gonna I'm gonna write that story up I might publish it later Daniel. I'll (laughs) I'll let you know how it
1: goes Um, so where can we find out more about you Um, so I've got a website which is (laughs) www.daniemillerstoryteller.co.uk lovely stuff well thank you so
0: much for coming in and telling us all about storytelling and uh, inspiring me to become a storyteller (laughs) now if that wasn't enough for you I went and spoke to the cast of a very special London show Peter Pan Goes Wrong a show that I absolutely adore and I can't wait to find out More about. I am here with Charlie, one of the stars of Peter Pan Goes Wrong. Hello, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Um, I'm very excited because I love the Mischief works, the the many, many plays you've had.
2: Um, And Mischief is a bit different to other shows because it's almost like a play within a play. Is that right? That's right. So what we're doing is we're we're putting on this play, Mischief are putting on this play where um, we play a bunch of really bad actors who are trying to put on a play. I know it gets quite confusing. (laughs) Um, And so we are this gang of people uh, called the Cornley Drama Society and that's made up of people called Sandra and Max and Robert and Chris and Annie. And then that group of people are trying to put on a play. So previously they've tried to put on a murder mystery uh, called the Murder at Havisham Manor. Uh, But this time at Christmas they're putting on Peter Pan. But of course it all goes wrong Because they're no good. Well,
0: I mean, so some of our listeners may have seen pe- uh, may have seen the play that goes wrong, and mm. this is not the sequel to it, but this is an extension, I guess, of the world.
2: Um, That's right. So, yes. so
0: why do you think the gang chose Peter
2: Pan? So, I think um, that they got excited because they, whilst they'd done the murder mystery and it had gone terribly, they accidentally they actually gained another member in Annie because she'd gone from stage management to being an actor. Um, and I think the thing about Cornley is they don't have a lot of self awareness. And so rather than thinking, oh, we found that very difficult, maybe we should scale back and try and do something more manageable. Instead, they think, brilliant. Well, we didn't do that very well, but let's go bigger. I'm sure that'll be fine. And so they think we'll just get bigger and bigger and bigger. And I wonder whether it's, you know, Chris, the director, thinks it's my turn to play a real starring role as Mr. Darling and Hook and... And then they think maybe, I don't know, that the magic of Peter Pan will infuse the magic of Cornley, but it doesn't quite work out that way.
0: And it is also just hilarious. Like, your shows are so, so funny. Is it almost a bit addictive
2: getting that laugh? Because th- they keep coming. That's right. It's totally addictive. When I go home to visit my uh, my folks, I'm constantly making jokes. They have to tell me to shut up. Um, but I'm like, no, 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 I need more laughs. I'm just so used to it now. Um, <laughs> but it's true that our shows are really just silly. We think that it's really important that actually you can be serious about silliness. And I feel like... Some pe- sometimes people think that comedies like, aren't, aren't difficult or aren't really hard and actually we work really hard to make them really funny and it's really important that, that people get a chance to come to the theatre and just laugh mm-hmm. they don't have to um, feel like they're at school as well you know
0: oh absolutely and I think everybody coming just leaves with a sense of joy right you must be quite happy with the way that people leave like, almost smiling as they walk out the door
2: oh that's what we hope for definitely I think Peter Pan Goes Wrong is really special because um, a bit different to the play that goes wrong Whilst it all does go wrong there's also a sort of magical happy ending Mm -hmm. and so it's quite a happy ending for the Cornley gang, it's a happy ending for Wendy and Michael and uh, John darling and I I find that the audiences are still laughing on the way out And, and that's a lovely thing to feel. So have you been involved in any other of the the Goes Wrong series? I'm pretty sure you have, right? Yeah, that's right. So I'm a member of Mischief and have been since the beginning. And so I was part of the original team that made the play that Goes Wrong, Peter Pan Goes Wrong. Um, I helped to develop uh, Magic Goes Wrong. Um, I was in our other shows, the comedy about a bank robbery and Grown Ups, which I helped to develop. Um, and also part of the Goes Wrong show, which is our BBC sitcom, which you, uh, is on BBC iPlayer, I think, uh, where we did two series of six episodes each of, um, of the same Cornley group of drama society uh, putting on like, play of the week. Mm-hmm. So half an hour episodes of different kinds of things that go wrong. And it's really fun.
0: Yeah, that was appointment viewing in my house. Like, it brought the whole family together. We'd call each other and like, did you see it this week? What happened this week? It was a real moment, I think.
2: Oh. Yeah, and we find that it's quite a nice one because um, people of all ages enjoy it. It's not just kids. It's not just adults. Mm. You know, and we find this with Peter Pan Goes Wrong, that you can kind of come with your grandma, your mum, and you, you know, your brothers and sisters, or, like, people would... Grannies love it, and and, and kids love it, and I think... That's really nice that you get to share that with with everyone.
0: And am I right in thinking you've performed it in America as well? Is is that
2: correct? Yeah, I have been really lucky. So I got to go to Broadway with the play That Goes Wrong in 2017. And then this year I was on Broadway again with Peter Pan Goes Wrong. And then we went to LA as well. So LA is on the other side of America. So that was kind of weird, like going all the way across. But um, it was really, really fun, really sunny, which was cool. Um, And a beautiful theatre. It was nice. I've never performed theatre there, so that was really cool.
0: And were the audiences different? Were they louder? Were they more, like, I don't want to say brash, but I want to say more American? Were they Than the UK?
2: Than the UK? Yeah. I think they are a bit different. It's quite a subtle change. But we notice, for example, like, in the UK, the audience is quite like, um, we quite like it when things go wrong. We quite like it when we get to laugh at someone falling over. And I think there's a kind of banter, isn't there, in the UK and Britain where, you know, we kind of take the mickey out of each other a lot. Um, and we're happy to do that. Whereas in the US, they're a bit sort of more sort of... Um, they take things more seriously. So they, instead of laughing at taking the mickey out of someone, they might go, oh, no, like, oh, fight and talk. Or they really, like, support the winner. They they, they don't like to laugh at someone doing well. They like to cheer for someone... Uh, sorry, they don't like to laugh at someone making a mistake. Right. They like to cheer when they finally get it right. Um, but the kids are quite confident because they don't grow up with pantomime as a thing. Of course, yeah, it's not really in America, is it? Yeah. No. So it's a British thing. So the kids in the UK, they really know the rules and they play along and it's super fun. But in the US, most kids in America I've been told are sort of really told to be quiet in the theater. But then they'd come to Peter Pan goes wrong and we'd be encouraging them to shout out. And then it was as though we'd lifted the lid on that and they would just go full hog like go crazy shouting at us and and shouting at all different times um, which was kind of at first a little bit difficult to manage and then we worked it out and actually it was really fun so when people come and see the show uh, who who will you be playing who can we look out for on stage so I play Sandra who plays Wendy so basically I'm playing Wendy and the thing about Sandra is she is actually not a bad actor she's just a bit vain <laughs> and a bit too self conscious to sure. the way of herself um and so she's actually doing quite well it's just that lots of people around her are making lots of mistakes but she's trying to hold everything together but then this little backstory about backstage comes to the front um, and you guys get to find out about that the audience get to find out um and so some of her secrets get revealed which i think is quite fun to do
0: oh my goodness i bet is there one bit of the show that people only listening to this can look out for maybe your favourite bit of the show or something that you think they should maybe notice on stage that sometimes gets a bit lost.
2: Oh yeah, that's a really good point. So I mean, I have loads of really, really like there are loads of jokes in the show that I really love and a lot of them I don't think you'd miss. But there is one um which so uh, my friend Greg plays Jonathan who plays Peter and there's just just this running joke that he can never do the panpipes properly. So you know Peter Pan has that musical instrument that's that like panpipes and he plays it um, and basically I. Either he doesn't get to his panpipes in time and the music stopped or he plays thinks it's stopped and then the music keeps going so he has to keep going and it's quite a small subtle moment but look out for for that if you come and see it excellent look
0: out for the panpipes thank you yeah
2: and so uh, how long are you here at the lyric theater in london for so we're here till the, till january the 14th but then the show keeps going on tour around the uk um until april Oh, right. Wow. So lots of chances to see it and no excuses. No excuses. And it's going to loads of different places in the UK. I think the next place it goes to is Leeds. So if you're in Yorkshire, you'll definitely be able to catch it.
0: Brilliant. Well, Charlie, thank you so much for telling us all about it. Uh, Thank you for having me. (laughs) And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Well, just like that, we're done. Remember, there's loads of episodes of Activity Quest that you can go back and listen to at any time. If you want some more suggestions of stuff to do, just scroll back in your podcast app and pick an episode you fancy. I'm Bex, and this has been a podcast from the UK's children's radio station, Fun Kids. It was produced and edited by Adam Stoner. Listen to me on your DAB digital radio, online, on the free Fun Kids mobile app, and on your smart speaker. Just say, play Fun Kids every weekday from 4pm. See you next year.
2: I'm James Stewart.